Welcome to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, where your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak, help you go next level with your practice, leveraging the four pillars that make a practice bulletproof. Vision, building a dream team, marketing ninja, and financial freedom. Now, let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm today's host, Dr. Peter Bolden. With us, we have Dr. Craig Spodak. And we are super fired up to have one of our role models on the podcast, Dr. Mark Cooper. Uh, Dr. Cooper's career includes practicing as a private practice periodontist. Um, You've been in academia. You've been a researcher. You've been an author. You've been a teacher. You've been practice management consultant corporate consultant, trainer, literally, like I said before we hit record, Dr. Cooper's bio would take up most of this podcast. Um, Craig and I know Dr. Cooper personally and, um, and are, are good friends. And literally, when I look to, at the dentists who are kind of futurist and ahead of the game and just have their head on, on tech and where, where our world is headed as it, as it relates to the context of dentistry, Dr. Cooper is, is someone I look up to. And actually I got involved in, in the DEO organization, dentist or entrepreneur organization because of the content that I started reading about what, what Dr. Cooper was publishing. So welcome to the podcast, Mark, appreciate you being here. I'm, I've been looking forward to you being on for a long time. As I said in the beginning, I'm talking to good people. <laughs> And that comes with a set of ears that's really interesting to talk to because it's not what most dentists want to hear. So my audience, although passionate and I think accurate about the future, is not being listened to on a large enough basis uh, at this point, which is an advantage to you guys because first movers always have an advantage. But we're coming, if you, do you know what the adoption curve is, you guys? No, I mean, somewhat. So there's a curve that is with a big hump in the middle. And one said it's innovators, and then it's early adopters, and then it's middle adopters, then it's late adopters, and then it's laggards. You okay. probably have seen this a hundred times. And in between early adopters and middle adopters, there's a little chasm that exists. Called it, and if you get over that, you get it's called the tipping point. And Malcolm Gladwell had a book about it, and everyone's kind of knows that term. We're past the tipping point in terms of the future. It's going to happen, and dentists really don't know what that means, and they're unprepared for it, and therefore they're resistant to it, which makes it difficult. But it won't matter now because we're over the hump, we're over the the chasm, we're we're in the middle adopters. People are going, oh man. I the tipping point of what specifically? Just all, all of kind of kind of tech or like with the tipping point of what Great exactly? Okay. Well, everything actually. Okay. okay. So if we take a look at how dentistry is delivered, you know, DSOs are over 20%. Uh, private practice is shrinking at about 7% per year. Um, the systemic issues are, uh, about taking care of people in their oral health is getting really loud in the background. People are taking it on as a, as an opportunity now. They're building businesses around that particular interface. It's pretty cool what's happening. So nothing will be the same. Uh, in a dental office in the near future, uh, you, the patient will come in and you will be doing the vitals. 
it won't be a nurse practitioner. It will be one of your whoever you hire to do that. You'll need to, and you'll need to be able to afford to do that and figure out your business from that angle as well, because you're going to be much more interconnected with the medical system. It, it's got to go that way. It's obvious. Yep. I just want to. Can I share some stories? Please, please. Okay. okay. I I. In dental school, I had an incredible radiology professor. His name was Lorne Katina. And um, I loved Lorne. He was just a great teacher, and he loved radiology. And I, it was just great to be with someone who cared about what they do like that in dentistry at that point in my life. And, and we would be looking at x-rays together, and he would all of a sudden say a word, the words. He said, tyranny of the obvious. And mm. I was like, whoa. You know, once he pointed it out, it was obvious. It was like, well, there's the radiolucency. Ah, oh, I didn't see that before. I think that's where dentists are. They don't see the obvious at this point. Yeah, there's another comment, by the way. It's called the tyranny of the how. And everybody's caught up in the how and not, you know, they're always caught up in the, the, the process of it. They don't see the bigger picture, um, which is an interesting tyranny as well. But Mark, I want to acknowledge you for something. I was just thinking about this because you were doing what would widely be considered as podcasting uh, many moons ago. When, what was that show that I was on with you maybe eight or ten years ago? Is the, well, the, what, the, the What Works. Or, no, the yeah, – No. Something. It was, an audio, it was an audio show that I did. And, oh, um, the, the, the Listen Up series. The Listen Up series. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how long ago was that? Oh, I don't remember age. I mean, I, I don't know. It just felt, you know, people need to start listening to other people besides me. I'm, I'm, I don't have any potency. It's like, okay. It was obviously, that was really, that was a rudimentary podcast, actually. It just yes. didn't have the vehicle. It didn't have the vehicle to disseminate to the public, but it, it lived I, on your website. I, and I didn't monetize it, which is yeah. even more stupid. <laughs> Mark, well, we, we don't monetize this, so we're guilty of that as well. But I remember, like, early on, you and I having this affinity together of just what the future is going to look like. And um, I want to credit you with um, the evidence to give me the, um, um, the fortitude to, to kind of tackle what I did because you were pointing in the direction of what was going to happen. So uh, I want to acknowledge you for that early on, you know, a decade ago for giving me that evidence. On the adoption curve <clears throat> that we just talked about, there's another little piece sticking out <clears throat> on the left-hand side. It's called bleeding edge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, the people that we work with 10 years ago were, were, were paying their dues to do this. Yeah. They were uh, what I call trail makers, not trail finders. <laughs> so, you know, it's amazing. There's a certain kind of persona that, um, that really works in building the, fu the, the future. You, you know, you guys are the future. And that's what <clears throat> I'm going to be speaking to the Georgia Dental Association on Friday. This the, Friday? Uh, yeah. The, the, in, yeah. The trustee. Where? God, I, oh, here's my, here's my travel. I will be Friday 9, to, but it's for the trustees. Are you a trustee or do you know trustees? No, well, ironically, I'm actually going out to one of your kind of mastermind events that in uh, – yeah, That would be much better. Richard Evangelista's uh, – yeah, yeah, you should see his show. Man, I can't wait. Yeah, he, the, the guy's a maniac. He's, he's one of the best. Um, uh, the Chateau Elan in – Oh, okay, Brazelton. Yeah, Brazelton. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. Um Mark, would you classify yourself as a futurist? Yes. You would. Okay. 
because I'm looking at, I'm, I'm going to post this in the show notes. Craig, I just emailed it to you, but it was the newsletter where you basically, you know, it was a prognostication of what's going to dentist in 2032 it was going to look like. And here's a lot of the things that are going to prevail in, in that society. And, mm-hmm. and I, that actually was what prompted me. I was like, man, we got to get him on the podcast. And I'm looking at these 32, these 32, well, I guess there's 26 in this, but I was looking at it and I was like, oh my gosh, like every one of these is almost like a, a subject matter. And I too, am kind of like, I, I am, I don't know if I'm a futurist, but I am definitely, I definitely gravitate towards those who kind of talk about tech and future and how there's this massive convergence of all these silos of stuff like blockchain and VR and AI and, and just, um, just everything kind of converging and the speed of disruption is also kind of hitting that you, you talk about the tipping point, but it's also almost going parabolic at this point in time right. because everything is like, there's a synergy and I can't describe it very well, but like everything starts coming into the flow of each other and then they together collectively parabolically accelerate. Well, that's, there's an actual um, formula for that. The, the, well, that's Moore's law you're thinking of. Yeah. No, that, but it, yes, it's Moore's law in its own silo, but I'm saying together when they all start like, cause, cause AI will help VR, you know, and, and, and vice versa. Right. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm not describing it well. You're doing okay. You're okay. doing okay. <laughs> all right. So I, I'm getting what you're saying. I'm Thanks. also going to introduce a, a, another aspect to look at this. Okay. Cause I think everything you said is right, but it's hard to, and you're asking about, a futurist and I want to give you some insight to what that is for myself. I don't know if it's true for anybody else. Actually, <clears throat> All these things are coming together and eventually, do you know what a hologram is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, it, I still, it's still a mystery to me, but I have some sense about what it is. I don't know how to make one, but I could recognize one. Yeah, exactly. And you could take a piece of one and it's it, 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 anyway. So I look from the holograph, what, where's all this stuff going? And what will that mean to, for me, at least in this particular domain, what will it mean to dental practice? I know I had an office, I had, nine, I had two hygienists, I had three front staff, I had referrals, I had uh, uh, vacuum shit, and I had all this stuff happen. <laughs> you know, I know. I, I've been in the trenches. So I know what goes on, in the, you know, and that, that's a tough job. Um, it's just a tough job. Now, what will make it easier is what I'm looking for, because eventually, one of the advantages that I have is I have spent time in medicine. Nine years of my life were, were working with all that stuff. And it's like, wow, you know, look, look where um, IBM is with Watson and cancer right now. It's like, oh, that stuff amazes me that they can and look where we are in cellular biology and look where we are in immunology and look where we are in genetics and look where we are. And you're right. The speed of change is great, but where is it going is, is also a good place to look from, not towards. So a futurist is able to look towards something, but also from something mm-hmm. which gives them a different perspective of what is going on. I, and it, like you said, Peter, I don't know if that got across the bridge, but th- that's pretty accurate for me. So where is dentistry going? Well, dentistry is going to go where medicine goes. That's an obvious fact. No matter what the dentists say, when you see the amount of investment capital rolling into dentistry now, it says, hey, man, there's something here, and healthcare never goes down in cost. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And dentistry is a laggard. You know, they didn't want to change. Well, it's too bad. We're past the tipping point. Now for a dentist is to confront, how am I going to uh, adjust myself to this change? So you have to look, genera- at least I do, I look generationally. How, how old are you guys, Peter? You're, you're really uh, young. Uh, uh, 42. Yeah, 40. And how, Craig? Uh, 47. Yeah, you're, that's the range right now. But then there are guys 55 and 62 and still working. What are they going to do? They're, no one's going to buy their practice. There's no, that, they're not rolling up declining practices. They don't need to. They can now, De Novo can go much faster. Why? Well, because they can just steamroll with, with scale? Yeah. They, well, steamroll is an interesting word. No, they, they can build with scale faster than anybody else. Right, but if they're not acquiring practices that are cash flowing that you say you say the 55, 60 year old guy, they don't want their practice kind of thing because 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 why? A lot of different reasons. A single practice is a pain in the ass. <clears throat> Somebody's been doing it for 32 years one way and you want to change that. That's not an easy yeah. change to make. Secondly, you have a staff that's been around them some of them, not all of them for sure, shouldn't be there. And so that changes everything. And then the other thing is, is you look at the resource that's underutilized, which could be new patients, hygiene, doesn't really matter. And you've got to upgrade that, which means putting pressure on it. Then you've got to get your people inside. And then you have to make sure your culture gets over there. It's, it, it, it's, it's daunting. I, I actually, Pete, Pete had recommend, I had a practice that was local to me. And the guy's just a total rock star, a great dentist. Everybody loves him. He has no website. He has no outward-facing advertising whatsoever. Despite that, he kills it. He's free for service, and he's booked up for two, two months in advance. And I went over to see his systems in operation, and it was so scary with the reversible hydrocolloid and the wires, and there's like no, no computerization whatsoever. It was such a nightmare that by bringing him into the fold, I would actually ruin him. And so he's just this like beautifully preserved antique, but I don't know what to do with him. He can't function in the modern world. Let him have patience and compassion because it too will pass. Yeah. That's the, that's one of the points here is that, you know, dentists are resistant to change like all human beings. Of course. And changes that are occurring are dramatic. They're not small. They're now, you know, I have people who I know who call me and say the following, Two aspens just opened on my block. It's like, oh, how is that for you? Well, how do I do a, you know, how do I do a group practice? And that's their first response. And I go, well, you know, you don't do one. And I go right. down that tunnel. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, you could say there's at least the first two or three innings are over for the game. You know, it's it's a pretty clear done deal now. Mark, so I have a question on this then. So if you, number 23, I'm looking at your email right now. Number 23, large DSOs will dominate the market, just like what you're saying now. It used to be the model, though, was a model of acquisition, right? The Heartland model would acquire your practice, move forward. And I'm... I'm, I, I'm not a bad model. I'm just saying that models... I know. I, I, guess what I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, can you speculate at this point? Do you see more de novos of the Aspens and the stuff going forward? as they see the methodology of acquiring the practice that Craig alluded to was acquiring an antique from a cash flow perspective, but it was really, why would they do that when they have their cookbook systems of scale? And I would add something here. 
the runway is really wide right now. And you could put, you know, if you know what you're doing, if you really know what you're doing and get good business acumen around you so you're not stupid like I, I am about it, get, good, get a Jake, get someone like that, man. Um, and uh, they look from a perspective that allows for much better decision making and it doesn't take it away from the patients. It contributes to the patients because you have more money to invest into taking care of patients, whether it's clinically or any way else. So this, this is a virtuous cycle that we were in as these companies grow. Now, back to the thing about Heartland. <clears throat> their model will work. Their model will work, but it won't last forever. No model lasts forever. I was thinking about it uh, cars don't have bumpers anymore i mean my if i brought my dad back and we walked in the street <laughs> and he what happened to the bumpers it would be okay you know they disappeared so you, your dad was from brooklyn by that accident no pretty close no. Honestly, <laughs> a whole other trail yeah he was great my, my first master it, it, really when i really finally heard him i he got the job done it's the bottom line that's awesome okay all right, so yes, yeah, they're all. I think. I think to your point, though, they're all in very different businesses. Heartland's in a very different business than Pacific. I mean, the commonalities they all sell teeth and dental dental services, but the, it's an entirely different business. And I think we as dentists need to allow for the freedom to understand that we're all in very different businesses. It's like I know they're all forms of the same. They're all segments of the same industry, but it's inherently widely different. So let me let me ask you a question. You have accumulated knowledge and data about how to run a particular kind of practice. Correct. That's what makes you unique in the marketplace and growing continuously. You've got a model that works. <clears throat> well, it's a de- you know. Uh, are, are you are you willing to share that knowledge across the board? That's what I'm doing. I mean, Pete has published our book. I, I lecture constantly. I mean, Mark used to send me people. Like I remember, you probably sent me 15 different dentists. Just like, go talk to that guy. Yeah, exactly. And I talked to all of them, and it was all for free, and that was a decade ago. So I know what they build me, so you're okay. Uh, <laughs> they what? They build me. They said, uh-huh. oh, my God, I was with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's still in the, Craig's like, wait, wait, I don't get that. Yeah. I know, but it's okay. It's so so you, guys, you guys are doing great. You're in, you're in the, you know, you're on the crest of the wave. But we okay, and I hear you on that. But I think Greg and I are we are committed to the innovation wave, right? Like there's there's no cruise control on either one of our dashboards, um, okay. and I think that is I think that's something important. As I'm looking, like honestly, I'm looking at your list again. I know I keep referencing this to, to people, and you can't. Well, I, I have a question. If people want it, would you forward? I'm gonna post. It, well, I'm gonna post it on the and put it in the show notes too. But yeah. Um, Maybe maybe there's some other way we can can um, deploy it to, to folks. But anyway, I'm looking at it, and it's just yeah, it's I'll just, share my I can share my screen, Pete. That's one way that they can see it right now. Okay. okay yeah, so that's a great that's a great idea. Actually, yeah, let me do that real quick. No, it's a test for me to remember the 20 things I said. Well, you now you'll be able to see it on the screen. There <laughs> is that good, is huh? not a, that is not a test. <laughs> but some of them are very compelling and and almost well, like well, shockingly just, obvious. Like, yes, I know that that's going to happen, but like, holy shit, how can that happen? Right. Um, I, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. Like robotics 
in the future, in that it's the future of dentistry in 2032. So robotics will place nearly all dental implants. And we've just seen- I totally agree with that. We totally have just seen videos where, you know, in China, they're already doing that. Now, granted, it was a single anterior implant. It was, it was somewhat human assisted, but- I, I want you to go to, uh, oh, I don't, I can't get back to my school. Maybe I can. I'll send you, I'll send you another company that's up in Toronto in which mm -hmm. the handpiece is actually um, somewhat controlled by uh, the robotic. Mm -hmm. but there's some freedom to use it. So the, who really places the implant because the fingerprints are on the handpiece is the doctors. Yeah. But it's, it's a it's system by Nobel that's doing that. That yeah. was that company that was at the DEO. And I actually yeah. took a live video of, of the demo um, for the, the, our social media. And I forget the company now. But anyway, that, that was like fascinating. Yeah, Even I could place an implant. Yeah. Well, or yeah, I thought about going back into Perio if I could here for a second on the machine. And yeah, that was the that was the other part. Okay. All right, so let's go. Is, can you get it on the? Let's get it on the screen. Yeah, share it again. Let's Greg. go down the one. I, I don't see it, and you should. Hang on one second. You'll stop sharing because he wanted right. to see my face. Oh well, that's I all I have that as well. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so number one, AI and orthodontics will displace the need for orthodontists because diagnosis, treatment, planning, indirectly bonded bracket placement, and wire bending will all be done by computer. I like everything you said, except already that's outdated. No one's bonding brackets and no one's bending wires. Um, clear aligner therapy is displacing. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I watched the results and um, uh, <clears throat> you can do that. You can move those teeth around, but uh, uh, ortho there's no long-term study. There's no evidence-based. There's nothing here. So you could talk about it because it moves a couple teeth around and makes them pretty. doesn't mean that uh, it's functional with the TMJ joint and the... Um, Are you talking about clear aligners versus yeah, brackets? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. I'm a, yeah. No, I... I Craig, Craig you know, that's his, that's his uh, emotional sweet spot right there. Yeah. So. But it's... No, I, I mean, yeah, I believe... I, I wholeheartedly believe that you'll have to search very far and wide to find someone bending wires and placing brackets in seven to 10 years. Very hard. You'll have to find uh, like a year uh, uh, And I don't think, I think it could, it, the, the, we're in alignment with this. I think the computerization will allow it to be mostly done by machine and uh, lower paid entities and orthodontists. The, you, the, it, what will occur for dentists if there's, oh, you, we're going to go down this track. This could be the rest of the interview right here. There needs to be a fundamental change in the mindset of a dentist about what it means to be a dentist. Mm. That's really the bottom line. What's, you know, it's what I work on. It's like, come on, man. You know, the shift from what to what, if you could put it in a sentence. Um, technician to team leader. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we look at radiology, most radiologists are sitting at home right now in their underwear reading scans. So why would we not presume that, in, like just to the example of number one, the orthodontics, why is it not that, I mean, ClinCheck and Invisalign has, you know, qualified people, but they're Costa Rican trained. Why is it not that you'd have an, a master ended uh, orthodontist doing your treatment plan? Because and your I'll tell you why, because dentists make their money from a linear exchange of hands, time to money. Like, you know, well, that's but that's our living is predicated on us doing something as opposed to just reading something. Well, you still need to physically sit someone down, snap the aligner, and make sure it's it's just a different role. 
it's, it's the same way that, you know, 50 years ago, we didn't have dental labs. So you'd have to like cook your own crown and stuff like that. It, even though there's going to be a lot of the workflow that's offsite robotic or not done by you, there's still you a will, You will have a human interface. You have to. Be always. And yeah. it will be better for us because we'll be able to do a lot less of the grunt work, if you want to call it grunt work, you know, the diagnosis, treatment planning. Well, that will, you, you won't be doing that. that you won't be. be. You, that, that will be done for you. Yeah, you great. Your clinical data, you will take your images and you will put them in a machine and the machine will come back with a diagnosis and a treatment plan. And they will also talk probably in five years from now, best materials to use. And if robotics takes off like we, I, it could, we'll see, the handpiece will be informed by what's appropriate for that tooth or that jaw and that person and all of that yeah. stuff. Why do you need like a six inch handpiece connected to your hand to reach four inches back to the back of someone's mouth when you could clip on a micro motor, you know, like the same way you have a surgical stent, you'd clip it on and it would just circumferentially buzz around, have its own irrigation and vacuum right there. It's a much, we have motors to do that right now. For I, sure we do. You have a whole other world to build. You you're, you're, that you love mechanics. In I love that stuff. I yeah, love go, that. yeah, go for it. I will. That's quick. Yeah, go build it. I'll be, I'll be, you know, by the time that stuff is applicable, it'll probably be another 10 years from now. But Mark, do you, you know, see this, do you see this disrupting the barrier to entry? And what I mean by that is if essentially our, be, our jobs become gamers or computer programming or, you know, like then all of a sudden, the barrier to entry, maybe, maybe then state boards start saying, Oh, well now these dental techs can do this work. And it, and it's not this. I think you're looking again from the bottom up. Okay. You know, that's fine. I have a tendency right? to do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, federal trade commission. So there's 46 million, half the population can't see a dentist. Mm -hmm. 46%. Systemic disease. You don't take care of that. <clears throat> it costs a lot of money. Yeah. You could take a diabetic patient that's 9000 a year and get his teeth cleaned and have the dentist do the stuff that um, – and you want to see something really interesting. And I have a wonderful relationship with these guys. You've got to see Kaiser Permanente and per Permanente Dental Association and what the hell they're doing because mm. that's got a lot of chunk of the future in it. And, you know, they're integrated. They're an integrated dental system into a medical system, and it works. And they have data to support it, the the – care gap that that's what they call of a diabetic patient if they close that gap how much it saves the system they've got oh, 23 what 23 million on kaiser these guys really know what they're doing well look at cleveland clinic the outcomes the cost savings the uh you know no one's procedure uh, bonus it's all just so no one's incentivized by the procedure and everybody's getting phenomenal outcomes. So they're getting higher reimbursements. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So if you want to know where dental's going, start looking at the models. Care models. Yeah, dental hospital well. complex. Yeah. But um, that's what, you know, I mean, listen, if the robot becomes viable and it will become viable, the Yomi or what have you, the sucker's going to be like 400 grand or initially 300 grand. How do these, you know, cause right now dentistry, if you look at it at a holistic level, it's a small, smaller storefront, the DSOs and, and Wall Street rewards you for having five or 10 or 15, $1 million outlets versus one large box of 10 or 15 million. But if technology is really, we're all in agreement here that technology is going to be a disruptor, technology is expensive as shit. So having 10 locations. Wait, 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 maybe let's talk about that. 
Okay. Okay, because I think maybe we're forgetting that everything is cloud-based. That means I don't need a lot of shit. Now, I know that I need a printer, and I know I might need this, and I know I might need that. The larger entities, the DSOs who've got the <clears throat> economies of scale will go first. But it will dissipate, and the costs will come down, and it will plateau out a bit more. I really think that solo practice is an antiquated model and it's got no punch for the future. I mean, if I look at it and I'm an investor or I'm a, doesn't even matter, uh, industry-wide, number one, it never loses money. It's always, and half the population needs one and they're not seeing one. Well, let's see, what should I do? Well, <laughs> it's, it's obvious. And, you know, how to get there, how to get there more, more efficiently is really the question, not to change the profit or the cost so that we can get more margin out of it. That's how people are thinking about the industry at this point. And that's a good way to think about it because you get efficiencies. So bigger is more efficient. I think as the, the data becomes more ambiquitous, if that's the right word, and I have access to it from my 15 locations and he's got 900, doesn't matter. I, I, the playing field gets really level up here. And so I think one of the great things for dentists is coming is if they can figure this one out together, which I'll never do because I use the word together. Um, um, if they could figure it out, <clears throat> you know, in, in a decade, oh, the same debt as Heartland. What do I, you know, it's going to be cheap comparatively. You'll have the same what is Heartland? I'm sorry. The same data. Okay, data. Someone's going to be a data collector of all this stuff. It's good. Someone's going to crawl through the internet because everything's in the cloud. Someone's going to, you know, it's machine learning. You know how fast they're going to go? No, I know. But to that point, at the interface is the complex part of any, any system, the interface. And our interface is a human interface. So we need to put human beings and have the robots. And I'm not, I, yeah, you're going to always have the human patient interface. Does it need to be a dentist? Does it need to be what you think it might be? I mean, the role might change. You asked me, in one sentence, Peter said, well, how would you describe the future? I said, technician to team leader. I mean, I can't, that's what I see. And dentists make lousy team leaders because the hierarchy of how they've been trained is they're at the top and everything goes below them. Walk out into an office and see how a, a smaller office and see how the dentist is the little prince or the princess. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, we see it. <clears throat> you know, there's got to be a reverse order. They have a, to develop an, a, a different kind of mindset about what it means to be. Then they can do more dentistry by not picking up a handpiece. Now, if you want to do dentistry, think about it from that particular perspective. Is man, you know what? Forty-six percent of this of doesn't see a dentist. How about if I figure that one out and take care of people? Do dentistry, but you can't do dentistry one on one in the same level. You have to get more efficient across. Well, it's a team sport. It's yeah, but even the way we interface with the public is so freaking antiquated. I mean, you can call Tesla, have Tesla deliver a test drive vehicle to you, order it without ever having to step in a showroom and have a car within a couple of weeks. In dentistry, in order for you to find out what you want or what you need, you have to jump through so many circuitous hoops of you know appointment times and rigid play. And that's why Smile Direct Club, frankly, it's it's not the product that, that people think it is, but it's gaining such success because 
it is so easy, and complexity is the enemy of execution. So if you make something that's easy, even if it doesn't work that great, it's going to be wildly successful. So the argument is for a while. Well, yeah, but that's why a lot of DSOs are doing so well. Some DSOs are delivering, you know, mediocre care at best, but they've allowed for a really cool storefront and convenient hours. And just on that alone, they can actually have some runway to take off. I'm going to put a marker here and jump over to another place because I'm about to go to a dental association meeting and talk to the trustees. And I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to get is we do quality care. I'm going to get that because I get that, I get that every time. So, so, I, so, I, so let, me go, let, Greg, let me go through my process. I ask everybody in the audience who does not do quality care. <laughs> and, and no one raises their goddamn hand. And I go, oh, isn't that great? Yeah. Okay, so then I, and this is where I, because I'm from Philly and I'm an asshole, I go up to someone and say, please stand up. And they go, great. I said, you, you, you do quality dentistry? And it, it usually starts at absolutely. Yeah. Go, and then I take them down because I've spent time with Joran and continuous quality improvement. I, and I mean, you know, I, 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 you can measure it. And so I asked the first question, what do you measure to show that you have quality? What is it? What do you measure? And they, there's a death silence in the room because that always happens. And then I say, well, tell me, how long do your fillings last? Your MODs last on teeth number 31, tooth number 31. And they have no idea. I go, well, how do you know that what you're doing is working? Forget about you know quality. Quality means it lasts. How do you know? So that's how I introduce quality assurance. So there is a, you know, by in 10 years, the quality assurance will be pervasive throughout dentistry. Best practices will be pervasive throughout dentistry. Patients, I'm going to get on my high horse a bit. I apologize. Keep on. I love it. <clears throat> patients will get better treatment. Of course they will. Yeah. And patients will have uh, better results and longer lasting results. Patients will be diagnosed, including their whole genomic and medical, the whole deal. I mean, they'll be able to look and say, here's what this patient needs dentally. And here's our, and here's our, and insurance is only going to pay for that. So the whole reimbursement system is going to shift to AI and and with blockchain. It's got to, it's where else, where else is it going to go with all their money? And the data is so isolated to silos. I mean, the whole study about, the correlation between oral health and cardiac health was actually found surreptitiously by the correlation of dental codes and heart disease codes. So like Aetna saw like SRP codes happening and then seven to 10 or 15 years later, you know, blocked artery angioplasty codes and like, Oh wait, we can save some money here. Let's pay for the SRP. So we don't have to pay for the $10,000 bypass. So that data and the, the points of data integrated holistically would really be very, it would be a true meritocracy because the dentists that are doing it right will actually be reimbursed higher. So right now I'm aggregated into the dentist. So certain dentists get three years out of the crown, certain dentists get 20 and we're all paid the same. It's real bullshit. Actually Cleveland clinic gets paid a lot more for a hernia operation and they should, they have a lower level of post-operative complications and their care path is more efficient. So therefore, if it's performance-based, which everything truly should be, they should get more money. Hallelujah. (laughs) Why do you want me to? No, but it's it's great for those who give a shit because there's wonderful dentists out there that are getting torched on Google right now. Well, they're going to do – 
They'll do great. Technician to team leader. Team leader also doesn't mean your team internally. It also means your team externally. It means community. Yeah, you know, go out there, be a leader. Demonstrate demonstrate something. Who dentists are in the world? They're not people that drill on teeth. They're people that take care of of people. Yeah, I'm excited for that, though. I'm excited Mm -hmm. for that level playing field. It's it's there's so many data points that don't relate to each other and they should. They will. That's, I know. That's when those little machines start talking to each other at the speed that you cannot even imagine. Right. <clears throat> they will come up with, with queries. They can do that on their own when you really begin to understand AI. It's like, oh well maybe I should ask that question or maybe go over right. here. Because they'll be able to read parallel models that you just mentioned, they'll be able to go to that kind of uh, yeah. analogy or relationship and, and see correlations that don't even make any sense to you, but will propose an outcome that like, oh my God, I can't believe those two variables are even related. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true to form unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast we talk about our victories and our bruises and it's 132 pages of vision leadership marketing and even just life as a dentist and it's meant to entertain you so we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on amazon today thanks friends this is too perfect a point not to bring over to them why group practice is going to be significantly stronger than individual practice um You just mentioned what would happen when the data points come in and how it adjusts your behavior and your, actually your perspective of what you're looking at. It just changes everything. I call that phenomenon a distinction. But <clears throat> So here you now bring in the business aspect. I mean, people who really understand their business, what business, how it works. And I, <clears throat> Jake is a prime example. He understands the <clears throat> nuances and the pieces and the uh, he's got his models. He, he understands business, and that information that comes adjusts the company differently and the performance levels differently if I'm a dentist. It just does. And um, so those guys are going to increase their capacity in terms of being able to get more finite with the information and comparison of data. I'm sure the ADSO is going to figure out a model that's where all the data dumps and you kind of what's the best practice and that, that you know, use the, use the data as a point of learning. I, I, it's, I, as I started out this conversation, I say the future is a done deal and dentists need to learn a whole different skill set. They need to understand dentistry. They need to understand how to fix the teeth. They need to understand how to use a perio probe. They need to really be a dentist. But it doesn't mean they need to do dentistry. Mm-hmm. That's a different model to look from. It's like, okay, that's a step on my journey to become a master. I have to become a journeyman first. Okay, what's that look like? That means five years at the, at the chair. Okay, or maybe 10. And then you finally really understand what it's like to take care of a patient. I mean, that's a... That's a skill set that you learn pretty quickly or you don't get paid. So you figure that one out. So that's really, you need to understand that, but it doesn't mean you can't have others, if you're a leader, see what you see in a certain way and then let the machines give them what they give them. That It changes the way you look at it. It becomes a much larger expression. And I, first of all, I believe it and I want it, which is dangerous to have a belief in the <laughs> thing boy i would like to see patients get better better treatment than they're getting 
Yeah, me too. And I'd like to see the access open up at least 20%, 30% more so you can treat the kids, so you can treat the young adults. I mean, I'd like to see that. And anyway, this yeah, way. You know, I, know, I, I know of a large DSO who will remain nameless because I don't know how widely understood this concept is that's really pushing the envelope on the medical aspect within dentistry. I know the CEO, and you know him personally, we both know him, but and we shouldn't leave this nameless because I don't know, unless it's public knowledge. But he's very interested in medical into the dental market, into the dental space. Yes, we, we have had our discussions, he and I. And I uh, and this started years ago, a while back. Yeah, because uh, I had a discussion with him two, three years ago about it. But I like that aspect. Of course, I'm, I, you know, I believe this and I want this to happen as well. And I recognize it's a dangerous place because I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid. But the market, Wall Street, is rewarding the aggregation of offices. And that's the primo. So if you have a $20 million complex, I'm not saying I do, but if you had a $20 million dental hospital-like setting, Wall Street would look at that and say, yeah, not really interested. Whereas if you had $21 million offices, they would say, holy shit, this is amazing. This deserves a, you know, 15 EBITDA, you know, just based on that. But if we're all pointing to this idea that robotics, more holistic care, integration of medicine and dentistry, doesn't the large box, the dental hospital, then lend itself to more success in the future? And won't Wall Street respect, uh, start to respond to that as well? Or not I'm, as not, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think it's, it's got – one thing about being a futurist is being willing to be wrong. Yeah. And without making yourself wrong. It's like, well, yeah. one of the things about being a business owner is be willing to be flexible and innovative because everybody's in big uh, And not being scared to be wrong. Uh, let's say good businessmen. <laughs> uh, other ones want to do Part of what's occurring, which is really interesting for me doing this dental entrepreneur thing that I've done for the last four years, five years, is to watch the entrepreneurial mindset walk in the room and get discerned with my capacity to do that from time to time. <clears throat> what is it that makes these guys successful entrepreneurs? And how can I provide that knowledge back to them so that they have a sense of how to grab it when they need it? Okay. <clears throat> so one of the things you guys, one of the things is, is that you're, uh, you, you lose your, this is where the dental mindset has to change. So here you are, dentist. It has a, you go from beginning, middle, and end. Here's the caries. Here's the butter fill it. Here's the composite. Here's the polish. Here's the uh, articulating paper. Here's the, uh, you're gone. Beginning, middle, and an end. You as business people, your mindset shifts when you get into business to <clears throat> not a beginning, middle, and end, but forward the action. You know, move it forward. Keep on moving it forward. Move it forward. If it gets done, it gets done. But if it doesn't get done, we'll move it forward. We'll move it. We'll move it. So you move from an, a, a, a a noun-based world, like beginning, middle, and end of this thing, to a verbal world where it's a verse, where you forward the action. Leaders, entrepreneurs think in action. They think of what they can do, what it will do. They hear the future differently as well, but I mean, they're in action. They're forwarding the action towards something, a vision, a mission, a purpose, a project, doesn't matter. That They forward the action. Dentists want it stable, non-convertible. It's the way it is. It starts every time. I want this car. 
this will work for me. And in the new world where you have technology taking the technical and administrative parts away, what are they going to be left with? Oh, they can be at the chair. But even that, if they can't use those machines, if they can't use a, a computer well, if they can't do that stuff, and if they certainly if they can't team lead, you know, their jobs will be in some jeopardy. As you said, it's going to go to performance-based pay which also has a lot to do with the outcomes that they're being produced and the longevity of those outcomes. So there's going to be a rating system for dentists and all that's going to happen. So their isolation is going to break down, whether they're in individual practices or not, it doesn't matter. The, the computer knows, you, you know, Siri's picking up this conversation, forget about your broadcast. She's <laughs> listening, I'm sure. Hey, Jeff, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> So it's the world we're in. So yeah, I well, like it. it makes it makes the guys who are truly um, focused on outcomes and performance excited because there is uh, exactly. you could you could hide. You know, ten years ago, you could just spend a lot of money on advertising, saying you're the best, and you know what? You could churn and burn patients like no tomorrow, like literally piss everybody off, but have a steady stream of unsuspecting new clients and just make your money on them. Now the, the, the great equalizer is the information that's available, but it's only available for what people perceive. If you add in the outcomes of the insurance company to it and say, hey, Dr. Jones in, in Spokane gets 14.6 years of his crown and Dr. Smith gets 14.6 months and we're gonna direct all the business to them, it's massive. I mean, Invisalign's doing that right now with their scanning centers. So everybody's worried, and I wanna hit this on the nail on the head because everybody's worried that Invisalign is now taking away the business from the dentist. What Invisalign recognized is they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on TV ads getting patients excited, potential patients excited about straightening their teeth with Invisalign, only to realize that dentists are screwing it all up. They're, we're so inept at closing the deal. Patients come in, I want Invisalign, and we are so inept at that, that they're opening up these scanning centers where they scan them, get them financially pre-qualified to then say, here, doctor, don't screw it up. They're excited. They're ready to roll. Make sure it's okay. We've done everything for you. Yeah, dentists are still working about that. that. Well, let's take another 15 minutes. If we, I think this is too rich to walk away from. <clears throat> if you take a look at what is occurring in the future and you look at that holistic picture and you look at that hologram, some of the beams that are coming in to create an intensity of that hologram is, is integration not just consolidation, but integration. So we take a look at, and there's some uh, aborted, there's some bad attempts that are out there right now, but it's not going to go away. Guardian has bought 50 dental practices and they're a pretty good insurance company. They may make it work. They're trying to figure it out, but they're getting close. Because if you eliminate the, if you can go right to the practitioner and the practitioner comes right to you, you're integrated. So integrated systems reduce the cost they increase, increase efficiency if well done. And if you can get the cultural mix to work, you're, you're in good shape. So that integration is happening all over the place. Uh, Serona Dense Ply, I mean, take a look at what, it's everywhere. So it's everything's getting integrated. Uh, if we take a look at, at that, dentists will be more, much more part of a system than they are isolated practitioners. 
whether they be in individual practices or not, you have the insurance company, you have the, all that other stuff that's being shared, the data is going to the cloud. It doesn't matter if I'm in my, well, I am in my house, but I'm, you know, I'm everywhere in, in a certain way. Everybody knows because this is being recorded. <clears throat> so there is the law, the isolation to, to be able to operate number one in a system is what dentists have to learn. They don't do well there. To make the system work better rather than their own advantage is something they're not really good at. Um, so there's a lot of things to be able to over, to reshape, redesign in themselves to be successful in this new future. And some will make it and some won't, but who gets out of dental school and then goes to the, nah, nah, you know, in five years when they know that they have to make money and they have to work and all that goes away and they become adults and all that happens. And, but they'll be ready for the system because they've got, they actually grew up within a systemized way. They have, they don't, they, they grew up in group think. They didn't grow up in, I think. Because well, they, already they're, they're going that way. When Heartland's sponsoring your freshman orientation, um, you know, and that message of, we, you know, together stronger or whatever you, you're what they're being sold. And plus the millennial mindset of not wanting to own, not wanting to own a house, not wanting to own a practice. The, the, the shift has already begun for social factors, not just consolidation efficiency. It's behavioral. <clears throat> behavioral factors are uh, pushing this. Craig, one of the things that I do is I, I, I and I can't help myself. So I want to I want to propose a little bit of coaching um, for you. And not that I, sure. I think it's okay. So you spoke about millennials as though it was all true and that they are all like that. And so what you had is you had a declarative statement in your speaking and, it, you know, the, the thing, yeah. the, it, 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 you, it, it, a couple things. One is it would soften you up a bit if you spoke more from the place of, hey, you know, this is how I see it. This is how I believe they are rather than being righteous about it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Point well taken. Yeah, yeah, you're a great man. And, you know, you got a lot to contribute to this gestalt. industry. Huh? It's called like salt, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's called salt. Yeah, be soulful. In my experience, this is what I've learned kind of thing. right? I like this, guys. Should I be lying down for this? Can we Maybe. go back a little further? See, an asshole statement like that, it's why you love Craig, because he's always <laughs> going to make one of those. You can count on it. No, I listen. <laughs> I listen. I, it's his I, deflection. I, it's his deflection. It's comedy. It's comedy. No, no, no. I, listen, I, I recognize when you're talking about a massive segment like millennials, you can't, you know, generalize. And, and I, I get people all the time that say to me, well, you know how millennials are and blah, 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 and you can't get people to work. And I don't vibe well with that comment because I know that as, as a group, as a demographic, there are some commonalities, but everybody's even being, I recognize that I do. And I appreciate the coaching. Um, I, I appreciate that you could hear it. Yeah, no, for sure. You can't, you can't coach someone unless inherently they are a request to get better. Yeah. My, my goal is to actually help. I mean, that's why yeah, uh, we're taking time away from our families and doing this. There's no, monetization so anything that would be a, a subtle cue to help me um navigate and land on people so that they can hear me and not be um exactly reactive to what i'm saying then it's cool we're going to go down a little path and then we're going to come right back out because it gets a little uh, transformational but what you have to learn as a leader is to manage the listening of people that's what you have to learn this not how to talk about it 
but how to have them hear you. And so mm. that coaching that I gave you was about, you know, you, you, you really, you want to, you, you want to make a bigger difference. That's, that, that's your world. You, you, you that's what make part of being an entrepreneur is you want to change the world. I mean, if you don't want to change the world, then, you know, go work in a group. But you guys want to change the world, which is fabulous because there's that certain energy. So the more people you can impact, the more contribution you can make. And one of the things I'm, I, I, I coach a lot is, hey, man, you know, learn how to talk to people so they hear you. Yeah, of course. Okay. okay. I All think right. I had a conversation like that yesterday. It's so important. It's, it's what you say and how you occur. And I hope that's not going to foo-foo here, but you can have these great intentions. And if you have a way that doesn't land on people or occurs, it just totally backfires. And it's really the travesty is not for the listener, but for the person who doesn't have, doesn't have the emotional awareness because you, you get frustrated. You're like, why are they yeah, not? We're, 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 da we're down here in the tunnel. Okay. Yeah. And I'll just have my closing pull, statement. Pull us out, Mark. Pull us out of the tunnel. <laughs> and let me say it this way. You're responsible for how you are heard, yeah. period, period. It has nothing to do with them. You need to figure it out how to make it work over there. You know, that's what a leader does. And, you know, it's like, okay, I need to be heard today. How, what do I need to say? How do I need to be? What do I need to, what's the behavior that would be appropriate for? You know, how do I get them to hear me? And because once you, listening is way more powerful than speaking. I'll put the dot on that. And we're out of the tunnel. I can see see the light here. All right. Any other questions about the future before I kind of. Well, I, know, I love how we've kind of covered so much because literally, you know, we talked about tech and disruption. And honestly, this is I'm the most uncomfortable I've ever been in terms of what I've heard on a podcast because humans, I think, go towards self-preservation. Right. Change is scary, just like you kind of alluded to. And with so much disruption and maybe maybe i'm way down all the rabbit holes and i just see all these you know the dentist in 32 the 20 the year 2032 and i'm looking like holy cow like what about me what happens to me what do i right. do right you you get into this yes i'm excited about this cool robot placing an implant and man look at these peptides for enamel regeneration and 3d printing and blockchain entering entering our space for insurance or whatever right like all these different things may may happen and and yet you're like whoa that's a lot how do i compete and be relevant in this space i can i'll answer the question please right <clears throat> You need to, well, I'll answer it in, in, in several different cultural ways. One, you need to become a warrior. You know, you, you need to go battle this thing. It's not going to go away. It's coming at you. It's the dinosaur with the fire breathing dragon, whatever you want to call it. That is going to happen. That is gravity. It doesn't matter how you jump out the window. You're going to hit the ground. Okay. So here comes this future. And I'm, oh, man, I don't know what to do. Well, you know what you do is you, you bite, take one bite of the elephant at a time. It's what you do. Get yourself in a course. Learn what's coming down the pike. If you, you know, do the thing, go to a, a group dental meeting and see what they're like. See what group looks like from the outside. You know, mm. go, go to one of these things. Go to the ADSO meeting if you can or, or the American Academy of Group practice or come to our summit do something with group 
Mm-hmm. So you get the feel of who are the people that are that, that I that I have to deal with, or, or whether I go with them or I stay alone or whatever happens. This is this is a phenomenon that is not going to go away. They're growing. I don't know. Maybe I can learn something here about what to do with my practice. So if I'm an individual provider or even a small partner practice, I'd start looking over there, not over here. I'd stop resisting trying to you know hold hold to the past. The past cannot be rewound, period. You can't play it again. It hmm. doesn't work that way. You know, you can't rewind the past. It, you just can't. So here's this future coming, and I know I need to change. So the first thing, rather than resist, you have to recognize that you need to change. And then find a path for yourself. There's a billion courses out there that you can do. You can go to the mortise and stuff. I don't care where you go. There are people out there now lecturing crazily about this stuff. Go start, start learning, start seeing, start meeting people. I want to say another uh, metaphor that I use quite a bit is that the future lives in other people's speaking. So I'm listening for what are they, what's going on here? What's that future? Where's, how did they do it? Hey, you used to have two practices now you're at seven what 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 did you do what what's it like you sold your practice to heartland what's it like you know start start engaging in in conversations that that are okay i think that's great advice i think honestly we as dentists maybe i can speak we get we have a hard time being humble and we're very prideful because we are the king of our kingdom, if you will. And it's hard for us to say like, Hey, I'm, you know what? Like you do this way better than me. Can you teach me about it? And people, you imagine getting that Craig from someone that you'd be like, heck yeah, I'd love to teach you about this or vice versa, man. I'm sure you know something. And we, I don't see that happening because I think we live in these islands of the islands will be congelled into a mainland (laughs) and that's going to be done by artificial intelligence and blockchain you're going to have to respond in a way that you never responded before by adapting the way you deliver dentistry to what the technology is now delivering you've had to do that from the beginning from going to digital x-ray i mean you had to adapt yeah yeah this is a matter of expanding the capacity to adapt and you can't do it yourself, so you have to move, as we said over and over in this call, from technician to team leader, learning how to lead teams, your team or larger teams, but you have to learn how that's a skill set. It's not about a command and order chief of, you know, it's here's the order, take it, you know, hygiene, go do this. You need to figure out mm, how to really. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be a paradigm shift and I'll, we'll kind of end it on that. But I think, you know, maybe that's been said time and time before, but it seems like, Craig, it's not too much, dentistry is not too much different than now than the way your father practiced. Am I, am I right? Like meaning that there's a head, there's, there's one, yes, there's different tech, but the way Mark is describing it is kind of categorically different than the, than the current model. Yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say that I'm not sure a whole lot really changed from like my dad graduating dental school in like the 19 early 1960s all the way through like the 90s like materials changed but there was no categoric shift for the patient perception you know right. we were excited about glass ionomer but did it make a difference to the patient no you know we were excited about a new acrylic but did it really there's still two visits now everything's disrupted because convenience, access to care, technology has shifted the way the patient interacts with that. And once the consumer sees it, they can't unsee it. 
So I have a nickname, so I don't think it's totally consumer. The relationship that a patient, no, no, I'm getting a little late. The, what the, the relationship you have to a doctor is different than the relationship you have to a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So you have to recognize that right away. So if a salesperson, I feel that I'm somewhat dominant in the relationship in the phys- relationship to a doctor, I, they're more dominant. So there's a difference in terms of how I see that relationship. Now, what's occurring is the consumer is beginning to drift into the patient space. So the patient still has that kind of relationship with the doctor, but now it's way more com- consumer thought driven. So I have given a name to this, this hybrid. I call it Pat Sumer. It's a combination of the patient and a consumer. That's a different breed than a consumer. And no one in marketing that I know about has really thought this thing through as what is the relationship I need to offer to patients such that they trust us. That's really the key to the whole deal, man. That's the, that's the ace of spades in the whole card. It's like, okay. So that's a whole other area where the, you know, dentists don't spend enough time in two areas. One is working on that and the other is working on themselves. All right, guys. I'm, man, that's I'm, awesome. All right. Man, yeah. So much there, Mark. I appreciate yeah. your time. I'm, I'm, and at some point, Mark, let's do a follow-up because I think it'd be cool to, 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 you, you might have to and, write a check on the next one. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. I'll well, say I, I could probably submit my well, medical for a coaching and psychological right. evaluation. So, well, Mark, I'll be respectful of your time. Appreciate right. so much for everything. And we're so glad to have you on. Can't wait to, can't wait to see you soon. Okay, buddy. You take All care. Right, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Check out BulletproofDentalPractice.com for video interviews and text BULLETPROOF to 345-345 to stay connected to us for special announcements. Have a great day.